they came back. And then they asked the strategy departments, we have to do something. This is a new thing. It's so hot. So we have to change our strategy. So, and in this situation, I was thinking with, with team colleagues, how we can change the way we do strategy work, that we can work with these fast changes and influences. Agile Amp shares stories of bringing agility and humanity into the workplace and beyond. Inspiring and provocative voices speak on topics from technology to business to living change. Dedicated to building a more agile world, Agile Amped is brought to you by Accenture. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Agile Amped podcast. Today, we have an exciting guest in Mario Bruckner. He's recently written a book called The Living Transformation, and uh, he's going to talk to us a bit about that and what that really means. So welcome, Mario. Thank you, and uh, I'm happy to be here. And uh, thanks for the invitation. So I I've read the book, um, and I guess the first place to start... Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely read it, I promise. <laughs> the first place to start is to ground us in, in a shared understanding. Could you talk us through what your definition of agility is, especially within the context of your book? So um, if I'm talking about agility, um, it's a mindset, methods, frameworks. It's a lot behind this word. I would start at which impact we want to have with agility. We want to be faster. We want to be more innov innovative. We want to be more flexible. So even if we would not call it, uh, I think, agile, yeah, I would say it's more flexible, more iterative, more learning inside. And to reach this aim, you have to adjust different things in an organization. And I name it the four dimensions of agility. So the first dimension I'm talking about is agile strategy and agile portfolio work. So starting really with a high level, what is the purpose of an organization and how I do strategy work. Yeah, I'm, I'm designing, also I wrote in the book uh, about the living strategy. You can do it on an agile way, have a lot of benefits because you can react on, on different things which happen and um, connect the strategy work to the daily work, it's a portfolio work. So th this is the first dimension. Second dimension is processes on organization. And this is a very strong one. If you change processes organization to put, for example, decision rights to the teams, the behavior of people change radically. And with the behavior also, it has impact on the, the, the mindset of the people. And the third dimension, uh, we're talking about and the interaction between each other. Or if we want to tell it in other words, company culture and the leading culture. So how is your interaction between people, between colleagues, between a person and a leader, between leaders? And this is the third dimension, for example. And if you want to have an example of this area, management 3.0. So some, some tools uh, developed by Jürgen Appello, this is exactly buying into this third dimension. And then the fourth dimension, the last one, that's the obvious one. So if you say to someone, hey, let's do Agile, what are you thinking about? We would think about Scrum or Kanban, yeah? And this is the fourth dimension, the delivery of products and services. And here, uh, in this dimension, it's a whole life cycle of a project or of an idea. So finding an idea, 
design thinking, design sprints, evaluation of an idea, value proposition workshops, and so on, and also delivering and delivering in operation also. So DevOps, those topics. And the key message is, if you want to profit from being more agile to be flexible and fast and so on, you have to change different triggers. You have to change the system in all four dimensions. And this is for me kind of definition of agile. Yeah, oh, I like the way you articulate that. That really does cover all the bases. And I like the way that you talk about leadership and the way that you communicate and interact in an organization is really driven by leadership. Because actually, I was discussing internally in, in Accenture, and that was one of the things we were saying is that the way that people communicate is often defined by the way that leaders communicate and the way that they interact with one another and encourage interactions in a safe way within an organization. So I really like that approach and the way you described it. And this will have huge impact. So if you're talking about those topics like psychological safety, it starts with the interaction. And then in situations where they are not so nice. So leaders or people in under pressure, if you have a lot of pressure on, on your chest, and then, then if you change the way of communication, of behavior, of trusting each other, also on those kind of situations, this have a major impact on people. And they will learn, they will learn, oh, this is not only valid, this behavior, and I'm not only observing it after the training of a leader, I also observe this in very critical situation. And this is building trust in a new way of interacting with each other. So the first dimension you mentioned was around strategy. What do you mean by living strategy? I think I understand it's a, it's a kind of encouragement of the change and not having your annual or five-year strategy plan, but could you give us a little bit more detail of what you mean and, and go into some of the ideas you share in your book? Yeah, living strategy means you have every day a new strategy, not just okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, so so um, to phrase a little positive, strategy still is a long-term thing. It's something where we, like an, an bearing point and an orientation where you say, okay, this is a target picture, the vision in five years or seven or eight years, yeah, and um, and this is not changing with an agile approach on on doing strategy work, but environment change and also the market change and they change very fast, and I experienced in my role as an a strategy employee and in a big company, by the way, same company <laughs> we we both went through some years ago, I experienced a lot of questions very fast coming in. What has the strategy to do with this topic, with this topic, with this topic? And the board of directors is often uh, influenced by, by different um, punctual information points. For example, they, they go to a Microsoft presentation of new strategy, new ideas, new cloud, whatever. They came back and then they ask the strategy departments, <gasps> we have to do something. This is a new thing. It's so hot. So we have to change our strategy. So and. In this situation, I was thinking with, with team colleagues, with Tim Spitzer, for example, together, Frank Grimmer, how we can change the way we do strategy work that we can work with these fast changes and influences. And that was the first stepping point where we say, okay, we have to change something. And we put the strategy work in a kind of iteration. So 12 months. And um, we convinced the board of directors 
to, to collect all crazy good fancy ideas and say, okay, let's go every iteration in one idea and challenge our strategy based on this idea. With this idea, we, we started and then the living strategy approach developed. And so we was asked to set up a new strategy, completely new. And it was feeling, okay, now we, before we just talked about advancing and living with the strategy. So, so be flexible, think in iterations, but how we can set up completely new strategy in an agile way of working. And this was the second area of, of the living strategy, finding a way to get people involved, to profit from the wisdom of the cloud or from our own people by developing the start of a new strategy. And um, we experiment at this time quite much and, and we got a lot of experience. But it was very cool to see that in the end, the first time that the strategy was understood by employees and they was interested in it because they was part of the journey. And this was very strong. And uh, that's the reason why we advanced it even more. And uh, four or five years ago, we, we put it into an approach, living strategy, and now different companies are already using this approach in their own strategy work. So I have a few questions about that. The first one I was thinking is, <clears throat> what do shareholders think about having a living strategy rather than a fixed strategy they can hold an enterprise to account for? Do they like it? Do you think it's better? Or are they a bit nervous about investing in something where they could change? It's depending a little bit what you change. So as I said, we don't change 180 degrees. So I was not talking about change. I would say adjusting. Yeah. Right. That's the and the second thing is um, investors. Investors are part and people who have influence in the strategy sprints. Yeah. So they do not lose something. Yep. They just got more ways to, to influence to also get feedback. And they get more transparency. Yeah. And sometimes if you're in a restaurant and you're sitting there and you're seeing just another nice PowerPoint presentation <laughs> and it sounds too good. Yeah. You got the feeling, nice polished thing. The living strategy, um, if you want, you, you can be part of the strategy sprints and you are absolutely transparent. Even if you're not part of it, you can look in the systems and you see it and it completely transparent what the board of directors is doing. So from an investor point of view, after understanding, so reading my book, <laughs> um, this approach, you can just win. And this is quite powerful. So we did it at, at one energy providing company. There were no, no investors. There's just a mother company, the group. yeah, And they can be part of, of this uh, event and also see the, the strategy changing, adjusting, yeah, and more transparency in this case, and also plus the opportunity to be involved in this process leads to support of this new idea. Yeah, I mean, your shareholders or the sponsors of that strategy are basically your customers in a, in a normal scrum team. They would be the people that you demo to and they give feedback like it. The other one I was thinking about, and this is just from my tra trauma of what working with strategy teams in the past 
how would you measure success of your strategy? So how, on that iterative cycle, what normally do you get strategy teams to kind of measure and adapt based on? Because I've seen a lot of strategy decks where they're going, this is the answer, long-term plan for the strategy, but they're not really accountable for anything, right? They've just, they've told everyone what to do and no one's ever going to follow up with it because there's no way of measuring their strategy, right? So in, in your context, how do you normally do that? So how you can measure a success strategy is also by the figures. So in, if you see that business is growing, if you see that an idea uh, becoming a, a great thing, for example, if you, we're talking about the company Matter, they hugely investing into metaverses and in um, Web 3.0. So they say, okay, the game of Web 2.0 with Insta and Facebook and TikTok is all already played. The shares are clear, yeah. And so they they invest in the next big thing from their perspective. Um, and the only measure, which is important, is are you able to generate a return of investment with this idea? Because we are we are not like a club or something like this. So we are there to produce um, financing for the next decades. Yeah, that we we can say okay, we generate money for growing to get better to having a nice product again. That's the ultimate aim of a of a strategy. Yeah, because it's a business strategy for a company. But there's another question in it, I think. It's how you can measure if strategy itself have impact on, on the daily work. Yeah. And that's another kind of uh, measuring, which is important because only if it have impact, it can later prove or unprove it was a wrong or right strategy. So here I'm talking about not effectiveness, so efficiency of the, how we make an efficient strategy work. And... Um, Sometimes, I know some companies, they have a nice strategy and the board of directors really make a great job. And then they are put into a cockpit. So their organization is like a A380. They're put into a cockpit and they see all the instruments. And after flying one or two hours, they figure out, I have the nice strategy but I don't have grip to anything on the on business level. Yeah. So there's a loose link between strategy and daily work. The reason of this loose couple of things could be different one. Yeah. For example, I have a clear strategy, but the prioritization of work on daily basis intercrupted by other things, by daily business, by other customers who, who say, I need to have this one, this one, this one. And nobody is there and asking the question, is this buying into our strategy? Yes or no? And at the end of the year, you figured out, oh, 60, 70% of what we did was not according to the strategy. It was just ad hoc questions, ad hoc demands of people to make short-term customers happy, but not buying into the long-term vision. And if we think that the long-term vision is right one, then we have to assure that we all, with all resources, all people, with all everything what we do have, are buying into it and one topic what you can do is and this is also I ordered in the book that's the reason why the strategy need to steer both things first the portfolio of products and services so delivering products where we make money with but a second thing which often people forget 
strategy should also be reflected in the continuous change of an organization or how we call it a transformation. So strategy have impact on product delivery, service delivery, plus the transformation. And that's the reason why if you, you take a look on, on the living transformation and living strategy approach, it's interconnected with this aid, this is uh, sign. That's the reason why it's always a feedback loop between transformation and strategy work. It's interconnected. And also, if we're talking about product and service delivery over a lean portfolio management, for example, yeah. it should be also connected. How you connect it depends. Everything is better than nothing. So even if we would remember our studies in the late 90s, where we learned about Kaplan Norton, Balance Scorecard, even this is better than nothing. If you do it the right way, yeah, if you define the dimensions right, discuss with the teams what are useful measures. Um, but also you can go with state-of-the-art approaches like objective and key results, OKRs. It's also a nice bridge between strategy and product and service implementation, but also a strategy to, to transformation or as I call it, continuous improvement processes. Yeah? Um, both, there are different uh, instruments different tools to use them. Important is that you use them on the right way. Um, OKRs, for example, you can do absolutely wrong. Yeah? If you just take the template of OKR and, and just stick to your old way of leading, managing the company, nothing would change. And you also destroy other areas of, of growing agility. So if you do it, please do it on the right way. Yeah? get some experience out there and um, be prepared that uh, decision right changes, that processes will change. But it's important that you go this step. It's like an orchestra. Everything has to be in the same direction, playing the same song. So if you have the living strategy, it's great. Uh -huh. But please think also about it to connect it to the transformation and connect it to the delivery of product and services. So I guess not leading on from that then, when you talk about living transformation, I guess that could mean a lot of different things to a lot of people. What from your perspective is included in that space and what, what does that really mean for you? Because I was just thinking as you were talking about it and product development could involve some transformation, right? So defining the difference between the two might be quite difficult. Yeah. Um, it's a typical problem, yeah. And um, you have so many, especially in the, <laughs> the agile environment, you have so many retros and where you 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 put which topic. For us, working with the living transformation and, for example, in for the product and service delivery with lean portfolio management, it's very clear. We do have a formal hierarchy and we do have a flow-driven hierarchy. The flow-driven hierarchy could be oriented to less nexus or safe. Yeah, And in this area, in these processes, everything is decided on what we want to deliver. And um, if you want to improve the way how you deliver it, and it's just one art, so one team of teams, yeah, or one or two teams, that's improvement measures. These are improvement things. Awards like, if you, if you are also familiar with the safe approach, scaled agile, awards like, a scrum master on team level, a release train engineer on art level, 
or on bigger level also solution train engineers, they do the coaching, the improvement of teams and those things. But sometimes, based on the strategy, you have to change things which are bigger than just one team. Things which cannot be not just small incremental change, they're big, huge impact. For example, the change of a formal hierarchy, huge impact. For those topics, you need a transformation process. Also by, for example, if you're starting the agile journey and you want to implement SAFE, it's also a huge impact. Also for this, this is a transformation, starting with it and, and growing SAFE and get mature, more mature in this. That's a transformation. And all transformation items have a definition already, so we do have uh, some basic requirements what should be in transformation epic, how we call these containers of change. Some are individual, each organization. Some are really general. You see it in all organizations which using the living transformation approach. And you use this approach to engage the relevant people, not only the people who are usually engaged in those transformation, you open the door to the people which you do not see in the first place. And second thing is, you say, okay, this transformation, I don't know how long it takes. So how long takes implementation of sales? We don't know. Yeah, and what is final implementation of sales? There is no final. So that's the reason why we say, okay, for these long runner, these things, but still having impact on, on, on seeing it in numbers, there you need a lean approach of change, lean agile approach of thing. Why agile? Because it's no homogeneous goods. So transformation is it's the definition of a complex environment. What is more complex than transformation? Yeah. So that's the reason why we set up this lean agile approach of doing a transformation, not as a model. So not like an implementation roadmap. It's a continuous um, transformation approach, which you can feed with different topics over the time. So you mentioned the transformation epic. What is an example would you have in there? What would be a definition of ready for a transformation epic? What would you need? Before I answer the question, let's take a look on how we got these ideas. <laughs> yeah, Because if you start with, oh, I have a definition of ready, and here are the checkpoints, you have the dysfunction that many people say, oh, it's so complicated. The gate is so big. It's so hard. It's it's So that's the reason why we say, okay, guys, if you don't know if this is a transformation epic, it's not your fault. Just come to us. We are able to help you to put your idea in this point of time. It's just an idea into the wide area. So it's something which improvement, get better with Scrum. It's not a transformation item. We, we put this then to the Scrum master doing the agile coaching job. Yeah, But we don't know what kind of things come into this funnel. But we, in an interaction, we, we help the idea provider, as we call them, yeah. um, by finding out it's a transformation item and some indicators for it. Uh, some indicators could be it's long-lasting, six, nine months, impact on more than one department or teams, and change of general behavior, change of decision-wise. These are indicators that could be a transformation epic. And in case it is one based on the definition of ready, there's another check, and this is a good one. You as an idea provider, you can decide yourself if you want to drive this idea as a transformation epic for the future, or to think about it, perhaps 
this transformation epic should be driven by someone else, by someone with informal influence on a hierarchy, formal influence on the hierarchy, we don't know. If you come on an idea like, like building a swimming pool in a new office, it's, a, it's not a real example, yeah. Perhaps you as a as a third now, so a guy is sitting as a as a door of the uh, and keeping an eye on the door of the company, are not the right person to have this future change. No problem. You just have to find one. But if you don't find one, perhaps it's not just how a great idea if nobody dances with you. So you remember the video, for example, of the festival where one person stand up and then two, three, four people joining, yeah, and then everybody is dancing. The key is to get the second and third person dance with you. All other is history. All other, it's like an automatic process. We have good, quite good experience with both things. So first this definition already, a checklist with some indicators and they can be changed and, and we learn yeah, over time. Plus to find someone who is eager to fight for this idea uh, in the transformation. And he or she then takes over the role of an epic owner, transformation epic owner, and he or she will then also continuously drive this epic uh, over the different transformation increments. Uh, and you, in the book, you mentioned some of the things you shouldn't do <laughs> when trying to start this living transformation, which I think is always good to call out how not to do it, because I'm sure you've experienced um, people doing it in a interesting way before could you share some of those examples i talked for example in, in denver uh, last year about it yep. and mentioned those things everybody close to everybody was nodding and saying yes was mario in my organization <laughs> yes it sounds like yeah i have to check yeah no <laughs> um, it's incredible how how the patterns of a transformation and starting a transformation are always very similar. And also in, in the organization I'm right now, and big automotive. <laughs> we, we, we use in this big automotive in some areas the living transformation approach. Great. By the way, say hello to the X5 colleagues of Carrot. Yeah. Great to, to be there. But in some areas, we do not learn. We do transformation with all effort completely wrong. So we improve the way how we fail transformations. And I will show you how we do it. So first the thing is, if you start a transformation, you observe often that there's a very detailed plan. So gunshot. And you know exactly how we will develop and implement the transformation in the next three months, in the next six years, in the next two years. Let's think about Snowden, what we learned there. The environment changed rapidly of organization. Plus, we don't know the impact as a solution for our transformation. So we do it first time. So it's a complex topic. You cannot plan it in advance. I'm always so, so fascinating how especially strategy consultants can plan it so exactly. So that's a problem because if you do plan it like this, it will be successful, but only on paper. Transformation is too big to fail, too big sponsors. So with the start of the transformation of this kind of planning, you already have the situation that, that you're just working to document the success of it. 
but no real change. Let's take one step back and, and look at changes in our environment. My wife, she's now outside of the studio. And uh, if I go out and tell her, can you ch change this? How likely is it that she say, yes, I'm waiting for this. Great. Thanks, Mario. No way. So we know in our private relationships that only persons can change themselves. Now going back to the situation where we have this change team. Now we have this transformation team, change team, and always stuff from uh, executives and some strategic consultants and so on. And they describing a future, a change where everybody have to follow. Not a good idea. It's not my change. It's a little bit like somebody already drove the train through the rail station and you as an employee just say, that was the train, I have to jump on it. <laughs> no way. And um, so this is how you can fail transformation very, very successful. Yeah? Building a transformation team, do not involve people who want to be involved. Uh, it's, it's a good way to just make a change just on paper. But no, this is not enough. If you really want to <laughs> fail uh, with, with uh, 100%, and you give the transformation now capacity. So, because you assume as a leader, mm, our, our people are so involved, are so happy with this change. They want this change. They are always crying for it. So, I know I give them a program. They can do it. Problem is that it's not a question of, Alex, do you want to change something? Yes, you would say yes, because you spent eight or 10 hours in, in, in this job and, and improving this job, it's great. Why I shouldn't do it? The question is wrong. The question should be in a different way. Alex, do you have the capacity to do it? Are you able to do it? And there, then you find out that the people who want to change something, improve something, your best people don't have the capacity. And telling somebody... Oh, go the extra mile. They already went three or four times extra mile this week. So there is no capacity. And this is the reason why they don't, even if they want, they do not produce real change. And this frustrates people. And I have one indicator, and you can think about yourself of the last transformation, if you could observe those kinds of things. If you observe that in a transformation meeting where you sync yourself with others, people start to work on the items they should work the week before. That's a typical example where you go this kind of classical transformation without budget. Transformation work is work. It's called transformation work. Work needs time. Time needs budget. If you just do it add-on, uh -huh. it's like a hobby. Uh -huh. And if you do it as a hobby, you have where time to do it because you don't, don't have so much time, you're already occupied more than 100%, so nothing will change. And if you combine all of three, uh, you can bet everything what you want to bet, you will win always. If you bet, this transformation will fail. Not on paper, on paper all are successful, we know, but in reality. Um, and the third thing is, in a transformation, Usually, as transformation start, if somebody new in board of members comes and wants a corner and say, oh, we want to change something. And you then you ask around and ask all the colleagues what could be improved. That's 
not bad. The problem is you want, don't want to disappoint and you don't want to make a prioritization because prioritization means to say to so someone and tell everybody this topic is unprioritized. Nobody do it. Yeah. So we do everything at the same time. Everything is to be one. So, <laughs> yes, everything is priority one. Yeah. And, and, and this is a bad idea because we know you don't have so much capacity plus switching between all these different topics, uh, switching costs, it's, it's just impossible to do it. By the way, I always ask, when is the transformation successful? You just ask the people, does something change in the last half year in, in regards of this topic and you name it transformation epic or topic? Does this person say, I hear about it in the internet, in the intranet, but in my work, no. That's the lachmus test. That's the test that transformation failed successfully. And people know it. That's the reason why we have a transformation after the transformation after the transformation. And I, I hope that people and leaders one time learn that you're not changing the people and then it's a success. It's not changing the topic, then it's a success. It's the way how you do transformation. Then it will be a success. There are not so many transformation approaches out there which you can use and they're successful. So living transformation is one of them, but there are also some other radical ones. For example, open space agility, open space better. Uh, all these transformations or transformation ideas are great ideas and, and they really understood the nature of transformation how you can do it and the living transformation is it's an approach for companies who need a balance between freaky agile something completely new challenging experiments and a company who have a major plan and know exactly what they do and, and if you want to find a way to talk those companies who use the decades before I have a clear transformation plan and so on. The living transformation gives you a lean and good to understand approach with some roles, not many, not much overhead and a clear structure. And people love it. Um, not all people. Consultants, <laughs> most of them don't love it uh, <laughs> because um, this transformation is uh, driven by internals. So consultants could only help to set it up to coach, for example, the transformation master role. But there's one role, the transformation epic teams need to be stuffed with internals. If you need some uh, ideas, some nice talks, that's okay. But the work yeah. need to be done by internals. If people, internals don't have time for it, it's fine. Then we do do a transformation. But we don't do transformation with big external teams driving an organization for us. I would argue that that's what we want to do, right? I mean, uh, when I've ever been engaged with a client, I want to upskill, share my knowledge, build the capabilities yeah. internally that it lasts because Accenture is never going to be there forever. So you need to build that long last living transformation to carry on beyond the the end of the contract with Accenture so that we have a yeah. meaningful impact in an organization. So uh, yeah, I totally agree. Being able to come in, make an impact, leave a long lasting transformation approach in an organization is much better and will have a long-term impact. 
and this is the way I set up those kind of transmission also my colleagues yeah so we are in the moment around 10 people who, who did it already in practical environment okay. and they're just yep. as consultant or coach they go in they minimum okay. three to six months maximum one year and okay. then go out yeah and yep. sometimes, and this is very nice, they invite me for uh, an uh, iteration planning yeah, or a measure and improve event. They are different events into this approach um, and to have an inspiring talk or so. Yeah? And I stay then sometimes longer to see uh, what are the topics right now they're working on. It's, it's so a good feeling to see uh, th that this, uh, this baby is, is grown and, and it's uh, handled with, with care but also sometimes it's not only sunshine. Sometimes they, they call me after one and a half a year and say, look, we do have a retro. Can you do it with us together? Because we have major dysfunctions. And some dysfunctions are not depending on the approach or in logic with the approach. It's because they don't use approach. Yeah, for example, it's like, like doing Scrum. Oh, we did Scrum. It's nothing for us. And then you look into what they do with Scrum and they just use the Joe Fix and call them now dailies, that's not Scrum. And sometimes we, we observe with living transformations the same way. So for example, they installed everything, everything is running well, but they do not invest uh, capacity in it. So there's a, a specific event which is called capacity allocation every three months. So every three months you can decide how much I want to invest in the next three months. So it's not like investing uh, next two years the same amount. Yeah, so it's quite flexible also in this terms. Yep. But you you need to decide on it. And in in some areas or in some co companies organization I don't name them now, um, they, this element is missing. And then it doesn't work. It should work. Uh -huh. Yeah. And so to be honest. These are the two events I'm invited also some years later. <laughs> um, both are okay, but um, I'm, I'm more happy to, <laughs> to have this inspiring speech if, if everything is right. But uh, sometimes uh, you have to adjust a little bit or also be transparent. Uh, what is the dysfunction and how you can solve it? Yeah. I think one, one final question on the transformation teams and, and the way that you'd structure it. So I, I, reading the book, there's this idea of having transformation epic owners transformation increments running basically like a, an art for transformation is that not separating out a separate team to do transformation like you mentioned we shouldn't do so how how would you structure that in a way to keep kind of bau business people involved and and invested in the transformation there's a mo major difference so uh, between an art an agile release then for example in safe mm -hmm. and how safe is doing product and service delivery yeah and living transformation yeah the difference is following every three months okay we decide in a prioritization event what we do okay with this, which capacity and we allocate people new to this transformation based on three questions who want to contribute who's able to contribute from knowledge point of view you can decide yourself and that you're not bottleneck so we do have every three months different people on on this change this had advantages and also some risks so but our observation over the last four or five years now is that the teams become very fast and high performing team in a very short period of time one or two weeks because the topic the purpose of this 
um, of the topic is so great that people align very fast. So there's a different team approaches um, are, are quite very fast and storming and, and that they become performing. We know that always performing elements are inside, but they're working quite good at the short time. But with the real advantage of this, you don't need change management and change communication anymore. You don't need concepts like change agent. <laughs> you don't need videos, pictures. You don't need that because you're working with <laughs> real people and they're changing and they're talking. So if I'm if I'm working in a transformation epic and I have the accountability to change, for example, the formal hierarchy, I talk about it and we observe this also. So the first one or two transformation increments, everybody say, ah, when are we seeing? But if you set it up the right way, if the transformation owner delegates the decision to the teams to have real change impact, they are allowed to change something. It's not that, not that they're allowed to produce some concepts where everybody has to decide later. No, they change. Then it makes click. And you have a lot of old school leaders in these transformation epics because they found out there's no hidden way around or old way of doing things. The decision and the work will be done in this team. And um, this uh, leads that people talk about it, communicate about it, and you don't have to get any incentive. It's just intrinsic motivation that they want to tell the story how they change their own company in a topic which is relevant. And so no communication budget, which is already, <laughs> will be always deleted uh, or cancelled. No, no uh, angels who are responsible for leading or to communicating this change. It's just the setup, how you change with the living transformation continuously, the organization will lead that people communicate themselves. And that's the best communicator you, you could think about. Wow, that's a really interesting approach and not something I probably would have come up with without you've clearly experienced it and learned that that's the best way of doing it because I'd have thought oh you need consistency standard teams that you know how to work with one another but you're saying that actually for transformation work it's good to get people involved right which makes sense yeah I like it brilliant the small insight the onboarding of people you, you don't need time for it why because people who are interested to be part in the next transformation increment already use themselves, uh, use information themselves there, they can get. So they people who are interested to start to work in the transformation, for example, in May, already start for intrinsic driven to look into the results, to look into the teams four or five weeks earlier. Yeah. And so uh, because they know that they have the one-time chance to, to cha really change things. And um, this is what we observe without telling them. It just was a natural behavior that they do it. Yeah? And um, so on, on this in consequence, we do not have warming up times or onboarding times on something like this because we just trust and leave it to the teams, to the people. And look, they are all adults. They are all self-organized if you let them yeah, and if you give them a wide system and the transformation is a great system set up to change organization on continuous ways. Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, it's very inspiring and I, I want to try it out actually even when I do my next big transformation. Yeah. Uh, in terms of 
where people can learn more about this, Barry? Obviously, you've got your book. It's on Amazon, I believe. Have you got uh, any kind of website or places that people can reach out to you on? Do you want to share that? We used Amazon for ebooks because it was difficult to find some other companies with this big reach of customers. Uh, but the hard book, uh, hard copy book, we step away from Amazon and put it on the Agilizer Academy store. So if you Google Agilizer Academy hardware store, you can buy it there. This way we, we can also support smaller distributors. So hard copies over Agilizer hardware shop. But if you just um, don't want to read, just get a little bit more insights before you, you start reading a book. By the way, it's not too big. So it's not like 400 pages. It's around <laughs> 120 pages. So it's, it's, I think it's good for a nice uh, weekend trip. But if you want to just get a little bit more insights, uh, we do have a landing page, which is called living-transformation.com. And there you find uh, podcasts, uh, videos, and also a nice trailer. And I swear, there are no actors. If you see on living-transformation.com the trailer. Don't pay anyone. We don't pay anyone. <laughs> These are just people working in, in companies using this approach and it's um uh -huh. sometimes i got the question oh how many how much do you paid for these actors no it's really and it's an emotional trailer and you see and not the facts but you see how impact this have on on the motivation on the drive of people and um we hope that on this way to use this trailer on on livingtransformation.com to to transfer also this impact on, on on motivation and feelings uh, which we do have with this approach Brilliant. thank you so much mary been a l really interesting conversation and uh yeah you're welcome go and read up more on it thank you and test it in your project and uh, please get back to me with your experience i'm just collecting then i'm learning also a lot yeah looking forward to it yeah thanks we can have a follow-up <laughs> thank you give you some feedback cool Thanks for listening to this episode of Agile Amped. If you learned something new, please tell a friend, coworker, or client about this podcast. For more inspiring conversations, subscribe to Agile Amped on your favorite podcast app. If you have an idea for a topic or feedback on an episode, email us at agileamped at accenture.com.